friends, and welcome to the Everyday Truth Podcast with Kurt Skelly. We are here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. And we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. Right now, we're studying the book of Revelation in a series called The End is the Beginning. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, my friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Got my orange mug today. Can't say. Can't say much more about it than the fact that it's just orange. I guess I could say, in honor of my Tennessee volunteer friends, orange. Or I might say, in honor of my construction worker friends, orange. But, uh, or remember the old soda, orange crush? Maybe orange crush orange, but uh, it's just orange. So there it is today. We are in Revelation chapter 10. Uh, in our Bibles. So let's go ahead and find uh, our place. If you can follow along, that'd be great. Uh, If you're just listening, then uh, listen extra special close because as we read these verses in the book of Revelation, uh, they demand our careful consideration. And we never want to be flippant with the Word of God. So um, listen carefully if you would. We are in Revelation 10. Uh, We ended yesterday in verse number a seven. So I want to pick up again in verse seven, if we can, just because I introduced something that I want you to see. So Revelation chapter 10 and verse seven, but in the days of the voice of the seventh angel. So when the angel is telling John about the angel, he's telling him about that, that seventh angel, the, the one that will sound the seventh trumpet. Uh, just to, re- to review, rem- remember we talked about the first four trumpets and the bad news that they brought. That, but remember then that the, the angel said, uh, that was flying, said, Woe, 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 for what shall continue to happen, what shall yet happen upon the earth. And so we talked about that fifth angel, that fifth trumpet, and the, the key of hell. And the bottomless pit was opened. And then we talked about that sixth trumpet. So these are these are uh, our dark days. And yet the, the, the worst woe of all is yet to come. And we talked a little bit uh, last episode about the fact that time shall be no more. Uh, we're not going to delay anymore. The delays have come. God's mercy has been extended. Time has elapsed. But to every thing there is a time and everything there's a season and there's a season of mercy and there's a season of judgment uh, God told the people of Noah's day not yet yeah, of Noah's day rather he said that my spirit shall not always strive with man so there was a season in which God's the, the people on earth were rebellious and the thoughts of their heart was wicked continually and yet God had mercy and grace Uh, for a space of time. But grace and mercy themselves have a shelf life uh, when the time of judgment begins. And so we talked a a little bit about that last episode. We're in verse 7 again. So the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound. So remember the sound of a trumpet, the sound of an impending judgment or a coming battle. The mystery of God should be finished. So the word mystery uh, obviously has a sense of mysteriousness. So mystery 
uh, in the Bible is that which uh, is not known, but that can be known. Sometimes in the New Testament, the mystery is that which had not been revealed, but is now revealed. And there's not any one mystery in the Bible. The Bible talks about the mystery of Christ being in us, the hope of glory, something that Old Testament saints probably couldn't understand, the indwelling spirit of Christ, or the mystery of one body, a Jewish Gentile body. Who could have figured that out? Uh, The very prejudiced Jews and the very hateful Gentiles never would have thought that they would be a, a, in one body and yet they that they were. So when the Bible talks about mysteries, it's that which was previously concealed that is now revealed. So when the Bible says in verse number seven that this trumpet should sound, the mystery of God should be finished, it's that in the in the end of in the end of the world, Uh, During these days of intense judgment during the tribulation, we're going to see the unfolding of God's master plan, the unfolding of God making things right. Sometimes now it seems like a mystery because we see wrong that is triumphing. We see uh, right and good and righteousness that seems to be trampled underfoot. And sometimes it seems like God is not doing anything about the injustices of the world, and and it's mysterious to us. But there's coming a day when all question marks will be erased. There's coming a day when uh, all of the the, the fogginess will lift. Uh, Verse number seven, one more time. And as he hath declared to his servants, the prophets. So the mystery revealed, God already gave us information about the end times in and through his prophets. And what's interesting about the book of Revelation is that while it is new in some of its information about the future, in many respects, it simply reiterates what God has been predicting and foretelling for all of history. You can go back to uh, the Old Testament prophets, uh, prophets like um, Ezekiel, uh, for instance, or Jeremiah, or uh, Isaiah, or Zechariah, or Daniel. We've, we've referred to them quite a bit. The plan of God is not an afterthought in the mind of God, but God has uh, this, this, this redemptive plan, this, this, this history of the redemptive narrative of God has always had a culminating point. And God always has had a plan. And God's plan is always right and good and on time. So we see that even the, the events that are still future to us have been predicted in our past. Uh, the sovereignty uh, and omniscience of our God is just a wonderful thing. Look at verse number eight. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again. So it's like John is is kind of looking up and he's hearing this voice and he's looking over and seeing this this personage, uh, perhaps the archangel Michael that's standing on the earth and on the sea and has this mighty declaration. The sounds of thunders have emerged from his mouth and John has heard this message. He wants to write it down, but the angel said, don't write it down. So now again, John is hearing this voice from heaven. Now, what, what does that voice say? Verse number eight. 
And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. Well, that in itself would be a pretty daunting task. So John, see that angel over there that just uttered that that awesome message that sounded like thunder and and he has a face like the sun and a feet like flames of fire and he has this great authority. I want you to go over there and take that book from him. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, that would be a, a pretty uh, intimidating task. And verse number nine, and I went unto the angel. I love the obedience of John. God doesn't always tell us in the moment why we should do what he has told us to do. The why oftentimes he supplies much later. Sometimes he never supplies the why. Uh, ours is not to reason why. Ours is simply to ascertain what is God telling me to do. Be much more concerned in your life about the what of God than the why of God. I think if we're not careful, we want to know every why before we obey any what. And that's not faith. Uh, that's sight. We need to be concerned about what have you told me to do? Now, I might not understand it. I might not be able to anticipate the reason for it. But God, I'm going to obey what you've told me to do. And obedience is its own hermeneutic. Because as we obey, God gives us illumination. Jesus said that. He said, if any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine. So there's something that happens it, as far as illumination is concerned, as far as our understanding being enlightened, as we obey the things that God has already told us to do. So with that in mind, verse number nine, so I went unto the angel and said unto him, give me the little book. Now, John didn't have any authority in himself to say, hey, give me that book. Uh, I'm bigger than you. I'm more important than you. He, no, he had, he had no uh, right, humanly speaking, to demand that, that revelation from this mighty angel. But he had been told from God through this angel in heaven to do that. So the authority he had was the authority of an obedient one. So give me the little book. And he said unto me, take it. But then something very strange, take it and eat it up. So it's an illustration. We don't typically think about uh, a book or a scroll as something that we would imbibe. We don't think of, of a book or a scroll as food, but it's an illustration. And certainly all of us are familiar with the illustration that the Word of God is food. And often in the Bible, it would be related to that. Or a message is related to food. If any man does not eat my flesh and drink my blood, Jesus said to those people in Galilee after the feeding of the 5,000. What was Jesus saying? Was Jesus saying you have to cut my veins open and drink my blood like some cannibal? Was he saying you have to take a, a bite mark out of my forearm? Of course not. The point there was, uh, are you receiving my message? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, so uh, are we hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Uh, the word of God is like meat, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. So often in the Bible, the message of God 
is related to eating, imbibing, because just as we eat physical food and it becomes a part of us, just as we eat physical food and it nourishes us and we digest it, uh, so we take in the Word of God. We take in the message of God and it becomes a part of us. It becomes a part of our living. It, it energizes us. It, uh, it nourishes us. And so when the angel says to uh, John, take it and eat it, that shouldn't be as strange in your thinking as perhaps it is when you picture it. Another, another factor to consider is that this is not the first time God has told someone to do this. We see it in the book of Jeremiah. We see it in Ezekiel. Remember Ezekiel, the prophet? Uh, he prophesied in the land of captivity. And the, the Bible says that Ezekiel received a very similar command. You can read all about it in Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And Ezekiel received a command from God to, to eat the roll, to, to digest it, because I'm going to send you to a people and give you a very difficult message to give to them, a message that you will not like to preach and a message that they will not like to hear. So very similar to what God is doing here in Revelation chapter 10. So verse uh, number nine, again, real quickly, because I'm running out of time, take it, eat it, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. But when you eat it, it's going to taste great. But by the time you swallow it and it gets and begin to digest it, you are going to have a massive stomach ache. Verse number 10, I took the little book out of the angel's hand. I don't know if I'd want to eat something if someone told me, if you eat it, you're going to have a massive stomach ache. But John obeys. And I ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey, just what God had said through the angel. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. So the taste was short-lived, just like with temptation. You know, it tastes good, but it's short-lived. And what remains is the bitter uh, aftertaste. What remains is the bitterness in the digestion. Verse number 11, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So people have wondered, you know, what, what part of it was sweet? Maybe the fact that, that John received this message and it was like, well, God is going to judge evil. God is going to deal with the sins of mankind. God is going to make things right. That's sweet. But the more you digest that, the more that you take that in, you realize the way by which God is going to judge is people and nations and and entire swaths of people group will be destroyed. And, and I have to give this message. And they're going to have to go through this horrible judgment. That's bitter. So it's what's the Bible? The Bible's bittersweet. And there, there's a sweetness to it as we consider uh, the glory of God. And we think the way by which God blesses his people. And there's a bitterness to it. To realize that God's word like a hammer uh, is going to deal with the sins of this world. And so it's both, isn't it? But it's truth in all of it. So I wish there, there's so, so much more I could say. We're out of time for today, but I hope that this has helped. We're going to jump into a brand new chapter next episode. I hope you'll be here for that. 
Uh, For now, just have a great day in the Lord. Looking forward to our time together next episode. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.